Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Total Italian Football podcast here to talk about match day two of this Serie A season. We thought match day one was good. Match day two has thrown up even more surprise results. And I'm not alone in Italy and haven't taken them in this weekend because I'm Connor Clancy and I've got Kev Pugzelski here with me. Kevin, hello. Hello. You're good it feels strange, that. doesn't it? We, we've, we've spent the last three nights in the same studio apartment together talking each other to sleep and now here i am looking at you with your head on another pillow and i feel a bit sad and lonely yeah well i, I don't because it's much better air conditioning here <laughs> <laughs> and uh we don't have to just do sort of semi-naked fridays or thursdays wherever we had because of the heat in Parma. yeah good god it was tough wasn't it it was um oppressive do you now believe me when i moan about the heat here in the summer i can understand why you go back to ireland and yeah. uh, uh, various other parts of Italy. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was unreal at times. 39 consistently, really, through the three days you were here, wasn't it? Which is, uh, yeah, oppressive is the word. We've also got Ewan Burns, speaking of oppressive existences. Ewan Burns is here to talk about the Serie A action with us. Burnsy, wow. how are you? Well, I was all right, but that's a, that's a shocking introduction. Is it? An oppressive existence. Why? Why is that? I won't so ask shocking? you how you are. That's not I'm not telling nice, you why that. You know why? I've touched a nerve there that I didn't realise <laughs> I was going to touch. To be honest with you, but I'm I'm happy all the same. We've also got Vito Doria here to talk through the action with us. Vito, it's very very early where you are. How are you? I'm all right. It's close to seven thirty on a Monday morning here in Melbourne, Australia. But I also have that feeling that. One coffee is not enough. I might need a second one later in the morning. <laughs> you definitely will when we start talking about the general results. So if you want to pop off and make it then, more than understood. But we are here. I'm, I'm sweating through this to talk through the match day two action, or at least most of it, because eight of the ten games have been played, much like was the case last week. We will talk about the other two games, which are Serenitana Udinese and Cagliari Inter on the bonus podcast, which will be available on patreon.com slash total italian football the results are as follows newcomers frozenone beat atalanta 2-1 in lazio which was a big big result to start the weekend and it was only the beginning of a big weekend of shock results monza beat empoli 2-0 verona beat roma 2-1 to continue their perfect start to this Serie A season and roma's imperfect start to say the least. Milan hammered 3-0-4-1. Juventus-Bologna at the Allianz Stadium finished 1-1. Juventus a little bit fortunate as well there to even get out of there with a point. Fiorentina-Lecce was the game you were at today on Sunday. Kev finished 2-2. You were treated to a few goals there. Lazio lost 1-0 at home to other newcomers like Frozenone. Genoa, it really was a weekend for the for the newly promoted side, so watch out Inter. And then Napoli beat Sassuolo 2-0 on the final of Sunday's games. I did say Monday night we've got Serenitana Udinese and Cagliari Inter. Before we get into it, I do just want to say one more time. I said it last week as well, but thank you to everybody who has started listening to this on our new, is the word a feed over on Spotify and your, your podcast channels by searching for the Total Italian Football Podcast. Do find us there. Hit the subscribe button and, and make sure you don't miss any of the podcasts. And like I said, Bonus podcasts two a week will be available on patreon.com slash total Italian football for as little as two euro a month, which is silly pricing strategies. But there you go. Anyway, where shall we start? I think we should probably start 
at the Stadio San Siro, where Milan hammered Berenzi, I think it's fair to say. They hammered Torino 4-1. Christian Pulisic scored again. Olivier Giroud scored a brace of penalties. And Teo Hernandez scored a very, very nice little finish as well. And Per Schurz scored Torino's goal, which at the time leveled things up at 1-1. Although looking back at the game at the end of it, it's easy to forget that fact. Yeah, it was it was an odd game because Milan absolutely deserved to win. And I've got to say they do look good. Um, not only do they look good, but also they they didn't necessarily play well for the whole game. There was kind of a feeling that they they could have, like that there is actually more to come, even though they look good and they've won two games. Um, in terms of that equaliser, like I say, Milan deserved to win the game regardless. But when that came, it was a complete shock. They made it one all, and immediately afterwards. Milan got what pretty much everyone has agreed is a quite daft penalty, um, which made it 2-1. And it, it, it was quite a kind of juncture in the game because after that it was quite quickly 3-1 and then it's you know it's all out. Torino aren't going to fight that back. But you do wonder what may have happened were that not to have happened. But regardless, Milan were just very good. Without having seen the highlights, Kev and I were discussing this, I think, on the way to the pub here in Parma. And we assumed that the the penalty that you were kicking off about on Twitter was going to be for the, the final goal. But talk us through it, Bernsey. What what happened for anybody who mightn't have seen the penalty incident in question? It's just one of them that the ball came in to the box. Um, Giroud and I think it was Rodriguez. Was, Rodriguez was behind him. And Giroud sort of ducks. The ball clips off him and Rodriguez's hands are just in front of his own chest as they would be when you're sort of marking somebody in the box. He's like, yeah, he's got a hand on the back of Giroud. Giroud ducks, it pings off him and it just hits Rodriguez's hands against his body. And as soon as, you know, on telly, as soon as the replay was shown, they were like, oh no, no, yeah, nothing, will, nothing will come from that. And then he, he stood on the pitch and he's waiting and waiting and then it's, oh, he's going to have a look. And, and lo and behold, it's a penalty. And mm. Everything, even all the players, look quite muted. It was one of them. It was like that. That was just quite a daft one. They've, they've really, really looked for that. Nobody spotted it in real time. Nobody appealed, um, and it was a really important moment in the game because Torino had just gotten level. Not that they'd been good, but you know when they when they scored, it was very much. I think it was their first shot. Full stop. Um, Sanabria had also already gone off. Who's their, I say, primary, possibly only, real goal threat. Um, so I'm not saying that they were going to go and win the game or anything like that, but it did pretty much kill any chance of that maybe happening after their equaliser. Huge disrespect to Jan Caramo and Pietro Pellegri there, um, which I'll get fully on board with, to be honest with you. I share your opinion. Um, <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> and Pellegri came on and I stand by it. <laughs> also very generous to Antonio Sanabria, if you don't mind me saying. 12 goals last season. As Sneaky, many, isn't it? As many as yeah. 12. That is <laughs> Caught insane. me well off guard when they said yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, w- I would have put any amount of money on him not Hence having ever hit in my head. figures. But there you go. <laughs> um, on to Milan, though, if we can stick with them for just a little bit longer. Um, over the last couple of seasons, even the year they won the title, I think a lot of people would agree that they weren't always enjoyable to watch from a neutral's perspective. But Vito, you look at their starting lineup. Loftus-Cheek started, Pulisic started, Leao started, Rangers started. And then off the bench, you're able to bring on players like Okafor, Chukwesi and Yunus Musa. There's a real risk that Milan are becoming quite fun this season, isn't there? Oh, there sure is. And uh, 
very early days, but they're really looking to prove my predictions wrong. They've got a bit of an early swagger towards them, and Pulisic in particular, with two goals in his first two games, it's a very bright start for him. After a disappointing time in Chelsea, it uh, looks like he's bringing back some of that old Borussia Dortmund form, so I think uh, he's showing that he's going to become a player to watch out for, and then all the other new signings you just mentioned before, I think uh, they're going to bring some genuine spark to this Rossoneri squad. I think it's just a matter of Pioli you know, finding the best way to utilise them and see how they all click with one another. Eunice Musa, by the way, fast. Yeah, they've got a lot of he, fast he, he players, don't they? I didn't really spot... He came on late enough that um, I sort of... I was, I was like writing for somewhere else i wasn't really fully watching the game at this point because nothing else was going to happen but what i did see him do was a really really fast run <laughs> through the middle of the pitch with the ball where one of them where you could actually see the gears he incrementally got faster um, i thought you were going to um, say you could see the dust in his foot <laughs> <laughs> i, I, I want to see him you know you'd have you'd have thought based on the the pace and the way he did it it, it looked like a Chukwueze kind of run, mm. but it, it was moving. It was really, really fast. Um, so that's even more fun. Unfortunately, uh, they already had two of the most rapid players in Serie A in Liao and Theo Hernandez last season, and now they're just mm. going overboard with the speed. But Kev, we we did last week's bonus pod in a lovely setting of a, a local bar very close to my apartment here in Parma, um, and we spent a little bit of time talking about Christian Pulisic, who I did say on that podcast. He told us when he joined that he was changing his name to Pulisic, but he's gone back to Pulisic because he did a post-match video on the pitch at the Dallara and he said Pulisic in it. So I'm sticking with that until he says something else. Um, we're both pretty confident that he's going to have a lovely time in Serie A this season, aren't we? Yeah, I think certainly from a goal-scoring perspective, he's already got two now. I think he's going to probably better any other sort of season he's had there. He's It's probably a little bit of a level down from what he's used to but not you know not a lot it's not oh not you're massive have annoyed dip. people you're gonna have annoyed people but anyway he's gonna have to step up sort of champions league they've had they, you know they face torino and um my word uh, well actually bologna i was expecting a bit more from bologna last week but uh he's he's there to sort of give them a little bit more goal scoring like we said on oh god it must be wednesday wasn't it no sorry thursday when we were sat in Parma, mm. than what uh Braham diaz did last season and uh, yeah. he looks to be settling in really nicely, so um, he he needs a bit of a bit of luck with injuries and things. So yeah, fair play to the lad. A few people have said, though, Vito, that Milan are becoming a bit of a AC Chelsea or, or Chelsea's B team. And when you look at the lineup, it is a bit silly, isn't it? Yes, it does look <laughs> a bit that way. Um, uh, as long as they don't uh, appoint uh, Jose Mourinho to replace, what's his name, replace Pioli in the future, and then, you know, the, we don't have to worry about the AC Chelsea nickname. I'll be more worried no, about them getting Todd Bowley in and then spending all of Milan's money they don't have. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got rid of Bakayoko, so they're, they're, they're working on it. Um, and they're, they're not going to get Lukaku. So they're, they're actually, having got Pulisic and Loftus-Cheek, they're actively railing against it now. I saw a very funny video on one of the social media apps. I can't remember if it's that one that's changed name that I'm refusing to acknowledge or if it was Instagram, probably the latter. It was a video of 
the the caption was Lukaku after seeing Roma's latest result, and the video was Carlo Ancelotti serenading the San Siro by singing the Milan anthem. <laughs> Which, I wouldn't rule it out yet, Ewan. He might end up there because he seems to be linked with every yeah, top of the yeah, Lukaku might end up anywhere. Yeah. Um, except for... I was going to say except for Inter, but it wouldn't even shock you if that somehow happened, would it? Yeah, as, uh, as, if, as if Inter wouldn't walk back on what they said. <laughs> <they'd> <laughs> they never absolutely do would. They'd never do that. Um, but it, everything looks good for Milan to start the season, as it does for champions and um, I suppose title hopefuls again. Napoli they won two nil against Sassuolo. Burnsy, it was quite a a comfortable two nil win, if not remarkable. Yeah, it was very routine. Really, Sassuolo offered very very little, and the most interesting thing they did was that um, Maxi Lopez got sent off. He got a straight red. I need to know what he said for speaking. Yeah, he, he spoke to the ref, and he got a straight red. So I assume that'll emerge. I don't know if it has by now already, but I assume that'll emerge as to what it was he said that prompted an, an immediate straight red and also no protest. The as in from from he Lopez just walked, himself. didn't he? He just walked off. Um, so Do you know what? Tell, Lord, that Lord tells only me. knows what he said. So <laughs> Maxime Lopez is a lovely player, but he is a hothead, and that tells me he knew he'd said something pretty bad. So I can't wait to hear because it will come out well it always comes out and sometimes it's underwhelming but this time i think it's going to live up to it unless it was blasphemy which i don't think it was i think it's more likely that he said something horrific to the referee which let's be honest it's funny when we hear these things come out isn't it we all enjoy it we all have a little laugh we're not saying you should do it but it's funny when it's said and it comes out um yeah although do you remember last year when you guys were over here last season rather in february and Muriel got sent off for dissent. And then it came out that he said absolutely nothing at all except for, you're having a bad game, ref. And it was like, oh, that's a bit underwhelming. It was. It was um, Stefano Turati, the, the goalkeeper, last week. Did he not get sent off or something? Uh, he, he got retrospectively suspended or something for blasphemy. Yeah, Italy... Uh, but this is what I always I joke about. I can find specifically what he said. Though. Gasparini gets suspended every season more than once, and one of them is always for blasphemy. Every year, because he blasphemes, but it's only in Italy that you get suspended. I love the word blasphemes. It's Think good, it. isn't it, as a verb? I do like it. it's so stupid. Yeah. It's like absolute blasphemes. nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. But, Vito, again, Victor Ossiman's just banging them in. It was a penalty this week, but, oh, it was a good penalty. Yes, he's maintaining his form and you know, it doesn't matter if it's you know in open play or from the spot. Uh, he's the kind of guy that's uh, becoming very tough to stop. And you know, if uh, last is anything to go by, uh, as long as he stays fit, uh, Napoli are in with a chance. Because you can see, at least based on his first two seasons at the club, that when he was absent, you can feel that Napoli were missing a reference point. So as long as he's there, uh, he's going to be almost impossible to stop. Bernsey, you were a big fan of something on Napoli's social media output about the, the Ossiman goal. Yeah, they did, they, they did a very nice photo. Um, let me just quickly find it so I can adequately describe it for you. 
Um, obviously, Ozymen looks cool all the time, and pictures <laughs> from immediately after his goals are always great. Um, but he, he whipped off the mask after he scored, and Zielinski's next to him just smiling, and he whips off the mask, and this picture, it's got the, the flick of... I'm going to give him the benefit and say sweat. just general water. <laughs> Although it definitely wasn't raining. He's a professional was so, yeah, athlete sweat. playing football in Italy in August. He's going to have sweat. <laughs> Early in the game, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like a little cloud of sweat coming off the back of his head as he flicks his mask off. And he just looks like a cool man. He is a very cool man. I think you were right to sum that up at the beginning. I was very, very pleased, though, Bernsey, to see Di Lorenzo score because everybody knows I love him. And it's nice when he scores because that's not his job. But he likes to do a bit extra every once in a while. So, sorry, say that again. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I, I didn't catch what you said. <laughs> it's nice when Di Lorenzo gets involved <laughs> with the scoring. Uh, yes, it is. Sorry, was that specifically? I was reading something that uh, Mauricio Sarri was saying. I thought he was slagging off his team, but he wasn't quite. It wasn't quite as interesting as I thought. Um, yeah, Di Lorenzo, we, we said it multiple times last season. He's a wonderful player. Um, a very tidy finisher. He's such a consistent finisher. For a, uh, There are plenty of fullbacks out there who score some goals, but he consistently scores a very similar finish. And he's just, he's just got it nailed, and no one can stop him from doing it. Kev, is it time to worry about Sassuolo or. Do we need to learn that this is kind of just what they do? They had a horrific start as far as probably January last season, and they're always fine. They'll be fine, won't they? Well, yeah, you'd think so because of what else is there to sort of keep them just above relegation. But I did put in my um, preview on Total Hyphen Italian Football about how poor their run was at the end of last season. I think they won two games from their last sort of 12, and they didn't really sort of wow anybody during those games. You know, it wasn't as if they were unfortunate in some games. They seem to they seem to increasingly rely on Berardi to sort of get them out of things. Whether that's, you know, even just sort of you know, netting penalties, which somebody else will likely step up and do if he was to depart. Berardi's not going anywhere. But but there's this this just um sort of I suppose uncertainty that which comes from clubs that have just kind of been at a level for so long and and mm. but maybe sort of not intentionally take take their eye off of off the ball and they can go sort of get sucked in so I think there are three worst teams but I think you know they'll still be in danger probably within the last four to six weeks this season unless you know we see a massive turnaround in in them within at least the first couple of months of the season but you know it's yeah, baby steps at the moment. Kev, before we move on, um, I did mention that we recorded the bonus podcast together last week here in person in Parma. I think we had a lovely time recording it. There were nice surround sounds going on from, from the other people at the bar as well. Um, we'll be doing the bonus pod again this week and we'll be talking about, well, a lot of the time we spent together here. The Parma game we were at, where the beat Cittarella 2-0. You were at the Artemio Franchi. We'll talk about that a little bit on the bonus podcast as well. And you're going to a game in Pisa on Tuesday night, which again involves Parma, which is quite pleasant. Um, just let the listeners know a little bit more about what your trip entails and, and what we'll be talking about on the bonus pod this week. Uh, yeah, so I, I had a kind of unexpected uh, additional holiday as I'm changing jobs. So we decided to come and see you 
Um, nothing to do with. I warned you so many times. Free accommodation, even with the <laughs> stifling heat. Um, and it, yeah, I think I've been to Palmer about five times. Uh, and this was the first time they were actually at home. Um, so it, it felt it felt like I had to watch Palmer this time. Um, and they say they played Chidella last night, and then I've come along to Florence for the first time in twenty five years and had a, a rather pleasant experience with an old. Uh, Vecchia Garda um, Ultra, who's who was who was he the, the look on his face, Andrea, his name was the look on his face, having been able to get back into the curve after serving a three year mm-hmm. ban for fighting with Atalanta fans, uh, however many years ago. It was really, it was really quite charming to see that. Um, Stace did point out to him that he probably shouldn't have been fighting still at his age. I, sus- <laughs> I suspect he had ten years on me, um, but you know he took it in. He took it in good, uh, in good uh, humour. And that is um, a very Stace remark. And she meets yeah. an ultra and tells them to grow up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was probably three years ago the fighting. Well, yeah, so yeah. he would have still been in his <laughs> mid forties, and I don't think I'd be sort of going into those sort of shenanigans anymore. But um, he, he works at a local well, we saw you at the hostel uh, in Milan that time, didn't we? Yeah. Wow. Well, wow. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> let's not get into let's that. Let's not get into that. Um, but yeah, apparently he's gonna he's gonna give us the best uh, Florence uh, bistecca tomorrow Good. at lunchtime. Good. And then yeah, You'll so then we're that. flying out because the the flights made it, you know, more financially um, appealing. Viable. To do it from Pisa, and Pisa just happened to be playing Parma on Tuesday night, so we'll be uh, we'll be off there. Works out nicely. Has my friend? No, you didn't give him any contact details, did you? So I'm gonna have to chase that situation up again tomorrow. You will. Um, but you had a, I I got you some nice little treats in in Parma, didn't I? <laughs> some unexpected things happened, which was, which was pleasant. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, God. Yeah, sorry, I I'd, I'd, I'd skipped over that that we got this. Uh, unexpected personal tour around the uh, Tardini uh, into the change rooms up to the uh, the dining facilities that they have in their sky boxes um, and obviously meeting one of the local journalists there it was all it was all very the good the beast the beast the king of Parma nobody comes close to him but let's not name him here because he'd be very embarrassed if, if that went out publicly um, but That'll be well worth listening to. We had a lovely time, and Kev's going to continue to have a lovely time if he can survive the heat, though it has dropped about 10 degrees, which is significant and important to the overall enjoyment of Northern Italy in August. So we'll get on with the rest of the Serie A football, just when I say that that will be available on patreon.com slash football. Um, Vito. Juventus, Juventus, Juventus. They, they were 1-0 down for quite a long time. At home to Bologna, they did come back. Dusan Vlaovic had a goal ruled out. I feel bad for Vlaovic, but it was probably correctly ruled out because Rabio was definitely in the way of of Skorupski. But Vlaovic did then get uh, a valid goal, and it was a lovely header to cancel out Lewis Ferguson's opener. But it's two points dropped at home for Juve in the first home game of the season. It certainly was. When I wrote my review for Total High from ItalianFootball.com. Uh, I thought that if if anything, this was surely going to be three points for Juve. They had won comprehensively on the road against Udinese and Udine the week before, and then Bologna lost at home to AC Milan and were 2-0 down in the first half, and 
it stayed that way. So for the Rosso Blue to uh, walk from Turin with a point, they can be very happy with that. And it also goes to show that Juventus cannot afford to be complacent at all. No, I, I, I might be being a bit too generous to them here, but Burns, I'm going to ask you a question and allow you to take it where you want. But are we to expect some little results like this this season, given that there is... I mean, it's not a drastic overhaul, but it, it is clear that Allegri is trying something a little bit different this year. So are we to expect a, a couple of unexpected slip-ups along the way? I think if any team goes from the way they played last year to trying to be a bit more fun, then then yeah, chances are you, you're going to get it wrong at times. Um, I'd also think that Bologna, I, I, only, I only caught a little tiny bit of this game, but particularly in the early stages against Milan, I thought Bologna were much, much better than the scoreline. Um, they created quite a few chances of their own and they, they looked like a pretty cohesive unit. And I imagine that for much of that Juve game, they were the same again. Um, so I think this is the sort of thing where maybe in a few months' time, Juve might look at this result and go, OK, yeah, it's not ideal, but that's not actually the worst result in the world to come from behind and manage to get a point against Bologna, who... Um, I've got a number of very good players, and Lewis Ferguson actually has started the season very well. He looks strong. It was him who scored today. Um, but Vlavic, seeing him like reborn is is just good because he, he's a really good striker. He, he's one of them that everyone sat up and took note when he was at Fiorentina, including people who don't pay attention to Italian football, generally speaking. And since then, I, I've certainly had people who I talk to who like football but don't watch Italian football go, oh yeah, Vlavic must be really good. What happened to him? And it's sort of like it's just gone away. Um, so seeing him do really well is very, very nice. Um, Kev, share with me your Vlavich thoughts, given he was like he was meant to be really close to signing for Liverpool a while ago. Did that excite you then? Would it excite you now? Well, it probably excited me at the time because we were looking for a striker. Um, he... He's got he's got the qualities that you know. If we compare it, and sorry to go into your side, but if we compare it to Hoyland going, I would have been far more excited signing Vlaovic than Hoyland because he just feels he's got a little bit more experience. He's shown it over a longer period of time. I just wonder whether with with Juventus, I suppose in a way. Sorry, so I'm kind of answering a question, my own question, but. I wonder if Allegri was actually planning for Lope without Vlavic and, and almost the, the inability for them to move him on has in some way disrupted what he wanted to do and kind of but but however he probably was just he was just planning for a central striker to be there in some form or another and actually he's probably got a more dynamic striker than if they'd say landed a Lukaku who for all of his sort of his his plus points is at the other end of his career in you know in comparison to Vlavic. So actually I think it's a real it's a real positive for Juventus that they've sort of kept hold of him because you can all, all, almost do more with him. Um but it is great to see him back I think because nobody likes the shouts like you were saying then of you know what's happened to him. You know it was were they a flash in a pan were they just a you know Piontek Point you know two point zero uh, after sort of him going to Milan after his sort of general reform, and you know it, it it happens with a lot of players. Whereas actually I think 
Vlaovic has got far more about him. And, and maybe having his head turned by all that talk about a move to the Premier League, whether it's Liverpool or elsewhere, actually disrupted him. And also knowing probably that Juventus were trying to move him on either for the money they needed to to recover or, or you know, getting off the wage bill. There's there's another player that he, he was really impressive against. against um, who did Juve play first? Who knows he? Um, Andrea Cambiazzo, uh, left wing. I say left wing because they, they do seem to be playing a sort of flat four across the middle now. Um, and when you consider that Kostic is still there and Illing Jr. ended last season very well, um, he seems to be the main guy on the left now. Um, Ali Bai has actually done a piece that's going out on Tuesday around lunchtime for European people on com, which he's basically basically asking that question, is, is he just first choice now, straight away, even though these other two people are at the, at the club? Vita, how, how good is it for Italy that there's possibly another strong left-sided player? I think I think it's great to see that uh, Cambiazzo's doing well for Juventus, even in these opening two rounds. And in relation to Italy, I think that's great because especially if, you know, let's say, Luciano Spalletti sticks with a 4-3-3 formation, uh, Cambiazzo, he can be, he can play as a left back in a, in a back four. So uh, that would be very handy. Uh, gives... <clears throat> Pardon me, it gives him options because you would assume that Federico Di Marco from Inter would be the first choice. And although Leonardo Spinazzola is a fantastic player on his day, he just gets injured far too often. So I think it'd be great to have someone like Cambiazzo, assuming he sustains his form, uh, he can break into the Italy squad. And also Emerson Pal- Palmieri is not someone I've ever been overly impressed with, especially when it comes to facing bigger opponents. So oh, I think Cambiazzo is someone for the present and definitely for the long term. He has a lot of positive attributes about him and especially as an offensive threat coming from those deeper positions, I think he does have a lot to offer for both club and country. Ewan, can you hear that noise? Not quite. It sounds like someone sounded the Matteo Rotegi goal alarm to me. <laughs> He's gone and done it. And Genoa have beaten Lazio to leave the Bianco Celeste winless from their first two games of the season. He's here, Burnsy, and he's going it, to be fun. Was it last week when I thought you said Ruggieri? <laughs> when you said, because if it was, I just did it again. <laughs> I was like, he didn't score. And maybe also, I, they lost. I would not be celebrating it. Um, but what? <laughs> maybe I am saying it. I think I'm saying Matteo Rotegi. No, what um, it is, it's because it's of that Bournemouth game with the ruggery thing. Well, I just okay. think of him as ruggery now. Okay. And again, that's still not Rotegi, but it's like. Talk you know, about the good one. <laughs> um, I've not actually seen his goal, but yes, he, I, I'm very happy that he did it. Um, it. I mean, I, I just said to Vito about Cambiazzo in Italy, but you know, th- there's another one. Is the fact that there was that little flash with Rotegi internationally, but the fact that he's in Italy and that he's now got a goal and looks like a very important player for them, it's it's only a good thing. It's only a positive thing. It's quite a fun thing as well. It's nice when somebody just sort of appears rather than 
sort of hearing about them from the age of 14 when they've got a load of academy goals and you're waiting for them to do something. It's uh, quite it's weird just, for a player here. to to play and score for the national team when nobody knows who he is and then come to Serie A and get that excitement, isn't it? It's it's the wrong way around, really. But it is great to see. Should we be concerned, Kev, for Lazio? Because no points from their first two games and it's not as if they were playing Juventus, Napoli, Roma, Inter. Like They had two pretty favourable games against Lecce and, and Genoa, like a team that nearly got relegated last year, a team that most of us predicted for relegation this year and the team that have just come up from, from Serie B. I do think they overperformed last season and, and maybe finishing second was, you know, a couple of places higher than they probably, you know, should have been. Uh, and that was largely partly the failing of Milan and then into having the sort of the, the room to sort of take their foot off the gas as they focused quite rightly on the Champions League final that was coming up. Um, but I don't know, it's, it always feels like Sari hasn't got a, a very strong sort of basis to to do anything at Lazio either. You know, Lotito doesn't spend a great deal of, of money. They are heavily reliant on Immobile, um, which hasn't really been rectified in the transfer market. And I'm... I think obviously I've dropped them out of my top four this season because they were the obvious ones, I think, to to fall away because they overachieved last season. I think I think they just need to make sure that at the end of the season they're they're up in the European places and I'm sure they'll they'll turn things around, but it can start is, to snowball if you're you know, if you're not picking points up now. This is it, right? Because they they've lost their first two games and they haven't even started to try and balance Serie A and European football yet because that's not started. It is concerning, I think, if you're a Lazio fan. that We're going to have to mention his name every time they drop points between now and Christmas, but Sergei Milinkovic-Savic leaving is is an irreplaceable and unfillable hole in that 11. I think it's, it's indisputable at this point. But Vito, another shock result from one of the Roman teams losing to a team that many might have thought would be relegated this season is Roma losing 2-1 at Hellas Verona, who finished the game with, with 10 on the pitch. Um, although I'm saying that, yes, they did finish the game with 10 on the pitch. I got a bit confused there. But Roma have had a stinking start to the season too. In terms of the results, it's definitely been a stinker. Perhaps against Salernitana, they probably should have got the three points because they did create a lot of chances and... Uh, Belotti in particular, he scored the two goals, but in general, he looked very dangerous. So I thought, you know, even though in that game he had a goal disallowed deservedly for offside, he probably should have at least added another one. Uh, whereas for this game, I think the Jello Blue really deserved the three points. They led 2-0 at halftime. They looked sharper going forward. And even with Lorenzo Pellegrini back in the team, the Jello Rossi looked very predictable going forward. And Bellotti didn't look as dangerous as he did the week before. He had a bit less room to work in. So uh, it was indeed a bad result for the Romans. But at the same time, despite the sending off, Verona handled the game very well. They attacked when they need to. Uh, they limited Roma's space. So uh, they've got a lot of work to do, Roma, if the, to pose any threat this season. Bernsey, we all know how football works, right? Last week, Andrea Bellotti scored twice. He was the king of all the roosters. 
this week he didn't do anything, so he's just left being a bit of a cock. Very good. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted you to giggle. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, he, he didn't manage to do it again, but really the, the thing about his performance that's more important from a Roma perspective is that they weren't able to bring him off. You know, it wasn't happening, and they couldn't bring him off because there was no one to bring on. Uh, Asmoon had signed that morning, but he wasn't involved. Um, the difference is now they... Obviously, Abraham's still out injured, but now they have another striker, albeit you know, no idea how good Asmoon's going to be. He's, he's a player that I've known has existed for a long time, but I've never really seen him play. Um, whether well, he's, he's good or not, I don't know. He's rubbish, because but... if he wasn't rubbish, he wouldn't be at Roma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. So yeah, says yeah, his coach. <laughs> enthused about his arrival, as that is, believe it or not, a Mourinho quote. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... He did say something else, I can't remember word for word now, but something else that was pleasant, mainly about, like I say, about another body coming in to be up front rather than about Asmund's specific yeah. abilities. Um, but also there's the Lukaku thing, which is supposedly heading in the right way. I think Demacia just did something now about how it, positive contacts, one of those phrases. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the difference is that in the next game, say Belotti starts and it's not working, they can actually bring somebody else on. Whereas you're not just left with, you know, we all know what Belotti's like. He can be fantastic, but once he's knackered, he's, he's just like carrying a dead weight around. Um, and they couldn't replace that dead weight. The issue is that the next game is against Milan on Friday. So be that fine. just feels like it's coming too soon. Does that for... not feel fine though? Because that's Mourinho's fine in those games in that he, 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 there's no expectation on them to win. They'll just set up to not lose and they'll nick a 1-0. Yeah, but when it's early in the season, that's less appealing yeah. in the sense of you, you want to... And, and when you've only got one point from two games against teams <laughs> that you'll expect to end in the bottom half, you, you, you want to see something a bit, yeah. a bit sort of... Exciting is the wrong word for the context of Mourinho, but you know what I mean. Some of the, as as fans, you enjoy seeing maybe maybe a goal or two, um, and it just feels like that that's going to be a really really tough game. And Gonge scoring again, he he scored a lovely goal in the relegation playoff last year to to see off Spezia really, and he's at it again. He looked a really really good player. I wasn't expecting him to be there beyond the summer, but I know the window's still open. It looks very much like he will be there. For, for this season. He could be a differential player for Verona this season, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Atalanta went down to Frozenone after a good start last week at Sassuolo and lost 2-1. They went 2-0 down inside 25 minutes. Abdu Haroui scored the opener, and then oh god, Ilario Monterizzi scored the second before Duvan Zapata pulled one back for Lazaya, but it was not to be their day. Anybody watch this? Yes, I did. Vito, jump in then. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of the biggest surprises you'll see this season because I remember beforehand, Frosinone had a night had nightmares dealing with Atalanta. And if I'm not mistaken, I think when they last played each other in Serie A, Atalanta smashed Frosinone 5-0. And I think Duvan scored all five, didn't he? Something like that, but he definitely, uh, Ladea in that particular game definitely made that game look like a training session. So the Canarini really looked subpar. This time around, it's a, a totally different story. Uh, you know, Frosinone, uh, 
They did keep things tight on the back, but when they did have possession, they played some very neat combinations, had a lot of freedom on the ball. They were eager to express themselves. Uh, totally different to the first two stints in Serie A and uh, two well-taken goals in the space of 25 minutes. And even though Ladea tried to push for the equaliser, uh, they defended well the Canarini and Cerefolini, who was stepping in for Turati, he had a good second half as well. So uh, well-earned win for them. And for Atalanta, I think it's a matter of just shuffling some of the individuals because I reckon... You know, when the Ketelari and a couple others came on, there was a bit of improvement. And speaking about the Belgian, even though he didn't make the same impact as he did last week, you can see that compared to his time at AC Milan, he's got a bit more freedom on the ball. He's trying different things, pulling tricks, you know, playing some very tricky passes as well. So I think as bad as this result might be early in the season, I still think for Atalanta, these room to grow and for these new signings to make a better mm. impact that's classic early season Atalanta under Gasparini they're, they're rubbish until about October and then they'll start to play with last season being the outlier um special mention for Duvan Zapata though as if we need any excuses if I need any excuse but it's it's merited this week because that was his 69th goal for Atalanta which puts him level with Cristiano Doni as Atalanta's all-time top goal scorer so that's no mean feat considering the injury problems he's had in the last few years as well it's great to see it and he was very very close to leaving this summer now it looks like that's not going to happen if the Lukaku thing is going ahead to Rome and if he doesn't leave it's because he's decided to stay from what I gather so lovely everybody loves him I love him more than most people in the world and I'm very, very pleased if he does stay. The final game then that's been played so far was Monza 2, Empoli 0. Andrea Colpani scored two. One of them, I don't know if it was the first or the second, because it won't surprise you to know I've not watched this game. I've just seen the goals. was a belter. An absolute belter from Andrea Colpani. We will have that out on at Serie A Total at some point throughout the week. Um, so head over there and check that out. Also, that same username at Serie A Total is where you will find us on Instagram and you can find us at Total Italian Football on Facebook as well. The website, total-italianfootball.com. And just to repeat what I said at the top of the show, if you can go into all of your podcast apps and search for the Total Italian Football Podcast, start listening to us there, subscribe, get the whatever you do to not miss episodes, I don't really know, but do it and start listening to us there. And again, a reminder, you can get two bonus podcasts a week one on Serie A Femenile, the women's game, and one just general bonus podcast for as little as two euro a month on patreon.com slash total Italian football. That will do for this week's main pod. Thank you, Kev Pugzelski. Uh, pleasure, as always. <laughs> Sounds it. Thanks, Vito Doria. I had to unmute. <laughs> You're welcome, Connor. That's the gratitude you get. You let him stay in your house in 40 degree heat for three days and he's not even happy to speak to you after he leaves 12 hours ago. Burnsy, thanks as always. You're my favourite. Thanks. I just want to add that sounded like you woke Kev up then. Not far. <laughs> the, the noise he oh, made yeah, was as if he'd just been woken up. Not far off. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely right. did. Anyway, that'll do it. Thanks, listeners. Patrons will speak to you again on probably Wednesday and everybody else will speak to you next Sunday night. Goodbye.